Well, good morning. Welcome to Silver Creek. Uh, we are thrilled to have you joining us online. We, uh, we thank you so much for, for taking time and making it a part of being our weekly service, making that a priority. So thank you for that. What I have discovered, and maybe you've discovered this as well, is that every family that I know has one thing in common. And the thing that I know we all have in common is that there are actions and there are choices that kids can take within that family that cause one or both of the parents to become angrier than warranted, right? There's those, there's those things that, that when the kids do them, the parent, they have a right, right, to get, okay, that's frustrating, but, but we get angrier than we probably should regarding that. So let me give you a couple examples uh, from my house that my kids have to deal with for me. Um, it is well documented how angry I get when my hoodies go through the dryer. Like I, th they shrink up and the cuffs get too tight and I do this and they pull up and I lose it. And sometimes they dry them and they try to fold them and put them in my closet like I won't notice. And there's a blue one that just recently and I know and you guys know. Uh, anyway, so that gets me mad. Uh, another thing that I will flip out about is if my kids are having an argument and it leads to any of them fighting over a door, like where they're either slamming the door or they're fighting over the door or they're pushing back and forth on the door. I was involved in a pushing argument when I was a kid. It went over my foot, hurt my toe, ripped the toenail off, it, but I just lose it. So I asked for some examples from other homes this last week. I got some examples. Uh, kids were telling me about things that, that their parents probably have a right to get frustrated about, but just go way too frustrated, way too angry. Uh, some of them were, were not picking up wrappers after they eat a snack. Or, or dishes, that, that dirty dishes that make it into the sink, but not all the way into the dishwasher. Ooh, right. Uh, or, or leaving shredded cheese on the counter after making nachos. Half a can of soda left on the table, not being fully consumed. And I know this one's gonna to get to a bunch of you. Using a tool, but then not returning it to the place that you found it. Ooh. How about this? Leaving the lights on in a room that you have left, playing with the car windows, while up, down, up, down. I remember this one growing up. If the dome light got left on, while we were driving at night, suddenly the glare was so terrible we couldn't see oncoming traffic. Like, I'm trying to read. I can't see, right? It was like, okay, so this, this morning, there is no passive listening this morning. We're going to play along. So in the chat, if you've got an example, if you've got an example from growing up where, where your parents got way angrier about something than they probably should have, or, or better yet, if you've got an example of your parenting where you can identify that you get way, I mean, you, it's a, it, you hear about it and you're like, yeah, yeah that kind of makes sense to get, but you know that your, your boiling point comes so much faster than warranted in that particular situation. And I know that this morning we're, we're going to start talking about anger. And I know that this morning as we talk about anger, I have a great chance for people to get really frustrated with me. And the reason that you can get really frustrated this morning is as you're listening to anything, you can't help but hear that thing through your own filters. So let me just get politically incorrect for a moment. You are likely going to hear what I'm going to say this morning through your political filters. And I'm guessing that you've noticed today we are living in a time unlike any other time in history. Things are more politicized, things are more split, things are more divided than ever. I mean, you have to pick your side. 
doesn't matter what the issue is. You've got to pick your side. You've got to pick your team. You've got to pick what you're for. You've got to pick what you're against. You've got to pick, like, when it comes to schools, should, should the schools be open and everybody should be going to school, or should it all be distance learning? You've got you to take a stand. And it becomes controversial, and it becomes dividing. Same with light rail, right? Some people are like, can't wait for it to get here. And, and some of us, we voted it in. And other people are, hate it, and it's a waste of money. There's another thing that's political that's coming that people are divided on. And I can't remember what it was. It'll come to me in November. Anyway, um, so, so as we step into this message on anger, my hope is that you will take my word for this. That, that honestly, I am not trying to push any specific agenda. And you may hear me say some things this morning, and you're going to be tempted to hear it through your filter and think that I'm pushing one way or another. Just take my word. There, there is really literally no specific agenda this morning except to speak to the relevant subject from a spiritual perspective of the idea of anger. And if this morning you find yourself getting really angry with me, if this morning you find yourself getting so frustrated, if as I continue to talk, you find your blood just boiling, I want you to know I intend this message for you. <laughs> Come on, that, not, that was not funny at all. This is free. Okay, all right. Here's the deal. We have to figure how to keep laughing. Even in the middle of talking about anger, we got to smile a little bit. And actually in the next series, next week, or in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series called Always Smiling. Really learning how we can continually find joy. Discovering how we can be happy regardless of the circumstances, no matter what life throws at us, that we can continually find ways to smile. And honestly, if in your life you ever struggle to smile, if you will simply remember that turtles breathe through their butts, <laughs> it'll help you smile. That's all. You, just think about the fact that turtles breathe through their butts and, and you will just smile. It happened in the room. It's happening at your house. You can't think about it without a smile. So here we go. Let's get really angry. You guys ready to get angry and dive into this? And what we have to remember is even though things are rough and even though it's really easy to get angry, there's still reason for joy. There's still lots of reasons to smile. And one of the things that we need to be grateful for is the example that was set by Jesus, by the Son of God, who showed us that there is a way to be angry and still honor God. Last week we talked about anxiety, and we, and we talked about, and we looked in the Bible and we discovered that anxiety itself is not a sin. But what we had to be aware of is that anxiety can lead to sin. And anger can function the same way. If we get angry, is God now angry with us that we've broken a lot? No. Clearly when we look in Scripture, it is not a sin to get angry. But anger can quickly lead to unproductive or destructive sin. But the emotion of anger in itself isn't a sin. But it can lead to stuff that's wrong. It can lead to sin. And a lot of anger in life will lead to sin if we allow it to hold on. When we look in Scripture, when we look in the Bible, there was a letter that was written to an early church, uh, the church of Ephes in Ephesia, Ephesus. Yeah, it was written to the Ephesians. And it clearly says that it's not a sin to get angry. It was written by a guy by the name of Paul. He helped start lots of churches shortly after Jesus uh, left earth and went back to heaven. This is what Paul wrote. He wrote to, the, wrote to the church. He said, In your anger, do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't, in your anger, sin. Real quick, if you could think of a person that you know that could be described, that their anger causes them to sin, and that they're giving the devil a foothold. If you can think of that, a person that kind of is described that way, just, just raise your hand. Okay, go ahead and keep your hand up. If that person is in the room with you, go ahead and leave your hand up. Okay, don't point, but look around the room. If everybody in the room has their hand up except for you, we are all glad that you're joining us this morning. That, that Greek word, foothold, the Greek word mean, means a place. It means, it means a room. So if in your life you're trying to keep evil out, if you're trying to keep it out of your house, but then you leave a door cracked, that's what anger does. Anger just kind of keeps the door cracked open, and even if the door starts to close because of that little crack of anger, the devil can put his foot in the door and stop it. And now he has access into our house, which is probably a reason that so many marriages are struggling. Because we've left a little, little foothold for the devil in our anger and in our marriages, and then it grows in. Or, or it could be in your fr friendships or relationships where, where we're hurting because we've allowed a little anger to leave a foothold and drive us towards sin. It could be that because we haven't been careful and we've been unrighteous in our anger, it's caused us to compromise and mess up and, and cause other people to think differently about us and in the fact that we're a follower of Jesus. And in our anger, we've done some things, and in the area that we're really wanting to make a difference, because of our anger, it's led us to some sinful behavior, and because of those things that we've done, now the thing that we're trying to make a difference in, the thing that we care about most, we've limited our ability to make a difference there. So what Paul is warning us is that in your anger, don't sin. Be careful not to be angry and give the devil a foothold and give him that little crack to get into your life. So what we're going to look at this morning is actually a story out of Matthew's gospel. And basically Matthew's gospel means it's Matthew's story of the life of Jesus. And Matthew was one of the guys that spent three years with Jesus. And he wrote down the life and the words that he saw of Jesus. And in chapter 21, we find a time where, where Jesus definitely followed the advice of Mrs. Potato Head. He most certainly packed his angry eyes for this moment. So let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus is entering into the city of Jerusalem, and it is just before Passover. And in the first century, if you were, if you were Jewish and you lived in the Roman Empire, you would, you would all, everybody would make this massive trip to get into Jerusalem, where they would make sacrifices, and in that process they would enter into the temple, ultimately in the process of restoring relationship with God. The Jewish historian, Josephus, some guy, anyway, I don't know his name, some guy, sort of, I think they called him Joe. Anyway, he would say that, that typically in Jerusalem, throughout the year, the population was around 40,000 people. So for perspective, the city of Linwood currently has a population of about 38,000, so, so we're pretty biblical that way. But during the Passover... During this particular week or time, there would be a quarter of a million, 250,000 people that would arrive in Jerusalem. They would go from 40,000 to 250,000, so the place is packed. I mean, everywhere there is people. 
And in this moment, the mindset of Jesus is he recognizes that he's in the last week of his life. He knows that he's just days away from being nailed and crucified on a cross. So he's a bit pressed because he knows what's coming. And Jesus, who has never sinned, walks into the temple and sees something that broke his heart. He sees something that made him righteously angry. He saw greed, and he saw hypocrisy, and he saw abuse, and he saw people misusing his father's house. And in that moment, Jesus did something that was out of the ordinary. And Jesus demonstrates righteous anger. He didn't sin, but he remained righteous as he responded to what he encountered. So let's read. This is what it says in Matthew 21, verse 12. It starts this way. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now just read, think of all of that. And Now if you, in your mind, you could just guess what the next sentence was going to be. You hear all of that. He goes in. He throws tables. He says, you're wrong. you got to stop doing it. And then the very next sentence says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. I mean, it almost feels like that sentence is completely out of context. I mean, just, just picture this situation. Jesus, angry eyes, angry face, walks in. He is ticked. He's flipping tables over. He's flipping benches over. He preaches the shortest sermon he's ever preached. He is ticked. He is so angry, it's literally moved him to violent action. And then he stops and he cares for people in need, for the blind and the disabled. He is so angry, and yet they still came, and he healed. I mean, that's a weird little hanging sentence there. I mean, it's almost like Matthew took, took two stories and combined them into one. It's the same story. Jesus is righteously angry. He's showing people where they were wrong. He's doing this thing that was completely unusual for Jesus. He's flipping tables over. He's flipping all these tables over, completely unusual. And then he just starts healing people. And what I'm convinced Matthew is trying to communicate and trying to show us is that Jesus is known for his love, not for his anger. It's important that we understand. It would be so easy for us to read this this morning and think that we get to go through life now and we get to be ticked off and we get to be mad and we get to flip tables and cause all kinds of disruption and tell people, you're wrong. Jesus was angry. It's okay for me to be angry. But what Matthew wanted us to see is that Jesus is not characterized by anger. He's known for his love. Yeah, Jesus did get angry. It just wasn't very often. It wasn't like Matthew was saying, okay, and so this is the fourth time this week where Jesus went in and flipped over some tables. Oh, man, you should have seen what he did to the Pharisee that mouthed off. I mean, he just... Nope. It's this one little section. It wasn't what characterized Jesus. Anger wasn't what he was known for. He was known for his love, not for his anger. And when you and I think about Jesus, the first thing we think about isn't how he lit people up and called people out and tossed buildings. and We don't think about his righteous anger. The first thing we think about is how he loved 
and cared for the outcast. How, how he would reach out and touch the untouchable. How he would forgive and hang out with sinners. So this morning, what I want us to do is let's look at the angry face of Jesus. Because when we see the angry face of Jesus, we can begin to see how it should be reflected through us. And when we begin to see the angry face, we begin to understand him better. And my guess is that when Jesus was angry, you could see it on his face. I'm guessing that there was nobody that looked at Jesus and was like, maybe. When my kids were little, we used to play this game with, with different faces. Like we, we, I would name something and they would have to show me their face. So real quick, let's just try it, at your, let's just try it in your homes. Um, real quick, show everybody your bored face. If you didn't have to change your expression right there, uh, that's my bad. <laughs> okay, real quick. Now, now let's try your excited face. Okay, yeah, excited. Scared face. Scared face. Show us your happy face. Okay, in your chat window, in your chat window at home, tell us who in your home had the best faces. Did we do angry face? We, didn't, we don't need to practice that one. And the reason that we need to look at the angry face of Jesus is not because the goal this morning isn't to inspire you to go home and, and turn over tables and flip over tables and be like, you know what, honey, that's the last time you ever criticized my driving. No. What we need to do is see how we can respond how we can respond when, when we get angry in a way that doesn't discredit our witness as a follower of Jesus. How it doesn't hurt relationships. How it doesn't dishonor God. And the first thing that we notice when we look at the angry face of Jesus is that when he was angry, when Jesus got angry, it was on behalf of those who were mistreated. Jesus wasn't offended what, about what people said about him. He wasn't offended about what people did to him. His heart was breaking for the mistreatment of others. So let me ask you again. We're playing along in the chat window a lot this morning, so stick with me. Real quick, if at any moment you agree with any of these statements, I just want you to type yes in the chat. If you agree with this to be true, do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? You just type in yes. How about, do you think Jesus was ever criticized? Do you think anybody ever used some hateful words directed at Jesus? Do you think anybody ever unjustly yelled at Jesus? If you think so, type in yes. And whether you type in yes or not, the answer is yes. And all of those times, even though the answer is yes, he never became angry because he was betrayed. He never became angry because he was criticized. He never became angry when hateful words or when somebody yelled at him. He didn't get angry because somebody disagreed with his views. I mean, if Jesus were alive today, what this means is that Jesus wouldn't get angry if somebody posted something he didn't like. This means Jesus wouldn't get angry if the neighbor forgot to mow their lawn and the lawn was getting too long and now the neighborhood was all messy. Jesus doesn't get, wouldn't get angry if some person in the office continually ate the last donut and Jesus didn't get one. Jesus got angry when other people were mistreated. He got angry when others were hurt. So what it might be wise for us to do is take a little anger audit. To really just look at our own heart and ask, what makes me angry? 
Like, where am I carrying a grudge? Where is it in my life that I find myself getting very easily agitated? Where do I find myself extra critical towards a particular group? Where, where, where is it that I, that I find myself getting a little hateful where I should be loving? To, to do a little anger audit. And let's be really clear, let's understand that when somebody hurts us, when somebody lets us down, when somebody lies to us, when somebody mistreats us, if somebody gossips about us or betrays us, the obvious natural response is to get upset. The natural response is to get angry. But the good news is that we are not bound by natural responses. Because we follow a supernatural God. A supernatural God that invites us to live beyond the natural. God is living within us, so that means that we have the power of the supernatural to respond in ways that are beyond what is natural. So as followers of Christ, when, when somebody wrongs us, we're not called to pursue revenge or hate or curse them out. We're called to bless them and to forgive them. Now listen, I, when people take shots at me and people hurt me and everything in me wants to stand up and fight back and get angry and say why I'm right and justify my anger. And what Jesus wants me to remember is don't forget how much I've forgiven you. So, so go ahead and just be willing to forgive. So if you find that there's something that you've been angry about for weeks or months or years about what somebody did to you, or didn't do for you, or said to you, or didn't say to you. If you're a follower of Christ, then, then we probably need to ask God for some healing of our heart. That we need to let the Holy Spirit begin to help us forgive as we've been forgiven. Because when we look at Jesus, he wasn't angry about what people did to him, or what people said about him. He got angry because people were dishonoring his father's house. He got angry because those that were already oppressed were being mistreated. Because when we dig into the story a little bit deeper, what we begin to find out is that Jesus went in and when he began to turn over the tables of the money changers, essentially what these money changers were is these were the people that were exchanging currency so that you would have the proper type of currency once you got into the temple. You had to have the right kind of money to buy the things that you needed once you got in. It's like if you ever go traveling internationally and you have to go exchange your currency before you go to that foreign land. If you go to the bank and you say, hey, I got my U.S. dollars and I need to convert them over to pesos or whatever it is, they're, they're oftentimes going to charge you for that. There's, there's going to be a little bit of a markup. They're providing you a service. And, it, and it's generally a fair amount. You're like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. But what these money changers were doing is they were marking up the exchange so much. And what Jesus saw and what Jesus didn't like is that, that because they were marking it up so much, the people that desperately needed access to God, that needed this currency exchange, they couldn't afford it. They didn't have access to the temple. They didn't have access to God and the forgiveness that he wanted to offer. And so in a sense, there was this extortion that was happening. And the poorer an individual was and the less access they had to funds and dollars, the more excluded they were from having access to God. 
And not only was this whole thing happening with the money changers, many scholars dis- point out that what Jesus really disliked was what was being done with the doves. It says it went over to the benches where the doves were, and he flipped them over, and the doves probably just took off. And when, he went into the, when you would go to the temple, and as you would arrive, and all these people from Passover would come, and as they would come into the temple, they would walk into the temple with a pair of doves for a sacrifice. But the deal is, when all of these people arrived in, in Jerusalem, not everybody had a dove. Not everybody had access to doves. Not everybody was raising doves. So when you show up at the temple, you need some doves. And it's a little bit like when we attend a sporting event or a concert. You know, you know at 7-Eleven you can get the drink for like a dollar or two dollars or whatever, and then you go into the event and they mark it up eight dollars, and we're like, oh, okay. But, but it's a soft drink. But, but this is what was happening with the doves. And some commentaries would point out that they would describe that these two doves that could oftentimes be purchased for four pence, you would get inside the temple and the price had been raised to like 75 pence. So what it meant is that those that were marginalized, those that were blind, those that had to beg for a living, those that had no access to resources, they couldn't buy what they needed in order to sacrifice, in order to access the temple. And Jesus didn't like that the fact that they were being held out and excluded. That's why he got upset. That's what he was so angry about. He wasn't angry about anything that was happening to him or anything that was said about him. He was angry about the mistreatment of other people. And he put on his angry face because other people were being harmed. The second idea that we notice about, and when we look at the angry face of Jesus, is that when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, didn't flip people. Just let that sink in. That's about the most, uh, what's the word, like most ah moment I might have the whole time. When Jesus got angry, he would flip tables. He didn't flip people. This means he didn't flip people off. He didn't punch people out. He didn't cuss people out. There's a pastor by the name of Albert Tate, and he describes this this whole table flipping over as flipping over a system that supported hypocrisy. Flipping over a system of mistreating those that were oppressed. Basically, Jesus was saying, it's at these tables that shady deals are happening where we're hurting other people. So I'm going to end this process for a moment. And when he flipped tables, he was disrupting the system that perpetuated the injustice. But he flipped over tables. He didn't flip over people. And because we could easily begin to think that this morning is advocating violence and destruction and that Jesus is opening the door for chaos, we have to remember he was known for his love, not for his anger. I mean, this particular instance, this is not the norm. And so as followers of Jesus, when we're led by the Spirit, we're not led by our flesh. We're not led by by our own reaction. So we have to be wise. And we have to be careful. Because sometimes the truth is, we feel so strongly about something. We feel so justified about something that we translate over to a perspective of feeling like we have a righteous posture in this particular moment. And we get so angry, and we feel like we are righteously angry because we feel so strongly about it. But it doesn't mean we're right just because you feel strongly about it. Just because you feel like you're so right, you're so right, 
And some of you are thinking, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this so bad. And we need to hear this so bad. Let me give you an example. There are some people that are really angry with me right now. And by telling you that there are some people that are angry with me, I'm not trying to be defensive. I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. I just recognize that there are two groups that are extremely angry. And they actually feel righteously angry. There's a group of people that would say, Brent, you should never open the church during a global pandemic. You should never host a worship service on the backfield. You should never open it up to a movie night or host a prayer thing. That is reckless and dangerous and wrong and selfish and innocent lives are at risk. And they would feel righteously angry. And then there's another side that would say, Brent, it is not okay that you ever closed the building. You should never close the church. It doesn't matter what it is. You're caving to an agenda. Brent, I can't even believe that you would encourage people to wear a mask. Next thing you're going to be doing is like, go ahead and put the microchip in your hand. You're being controlled and you're lacking faith. And you aren't trusting God. And you aren't trusting that God will protect you. And that group would say that they are righteously angry. And some of you are hoping I will say which side is right. No! But both, both sides feel righteously correct. But it's not possible for both sides to be correct. But so many times we want to fight for being right and we've forgotten that we're supposed to be fighting to be loving. I mean, think back to what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. That's not what he said, right? If any of you are like, oh, quote that. No, no, no. What, what he said was, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. So what we have to be sure of is that when we're angry, we don't convert that over into this unrighteous anger that justifies unloving actions and unloving words. Because our goal as Christians is not to be right. Our goal is to always be loving. And so Jesus flipped over tables, but he didn't flip over people. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to look at the angry face of Jesus and let it be our guide. And the guide is that first, we don't take it personally. Instead, we're going to get angry on the behalf of others. And in that anger, it's not about flipping people over. It's sometimes about flipping a table over to make people aware. But it's really about stepping in for those that are mistreated and those that are overlooked. And then lastly, when Jesus got angry, he loved and he healed those that were hurting. Remember back, I was mentioning in this story there's these individuals that couldn't get into the temple. They didn't have access to God. And those that didn't have access would have been the poor and the marginalized and the blind and the sick and the disabled. And they didn't have the resources. And Jesus didn't just flip over tables. He then helped the hurting. He did all of those things. He flipped over the tables. He flipped over the benches. He told them they were wrong. And then he was responding to those that were hurting, and he healed those that were sick. Somehow, in the middle of all of that he was doing, and in the middle of all of his anger, those that were hurting were not afraid to approach him. Right in the middle of his righteous anger, he continued loving people. Let's just read that part one more time. It says this. It says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. It doesn't say the next day. 
Matthew wanted to make sure that we understood that in the middle of his righteous anger, the Son of God, Jesus, healed people. And the blind and the disabled, they came to him. In the middle of him being completely ticked off, he healed. In fact, if you look through all of the Gospels, all the, the four stories of his life, any time that Jesus got righteously angry, you don't find him yelling at people. You don't find him quickly posting some critical post, like, you would not believe what they... He never was like, I'm leaving this church because nobody's treating me that way. And every time he got angry, you would see him then helping people or healing people. And so when we look at the angry face of Jesus, we see that he loved and he healed. And in our anger, it needs to drive us to love and to heal the hurting. So much more important than flipping tables is loving and healing. I mean, one just brings sort of a momentary disruption. And one demonstrates value and worth to individuals and will transform lives. So honestly, we need to get really, really angry. And then we need to love like crazy. And we need to allow ourselves to be moved by the things where people are mistreated. And we need to get really, really angry, and then we need to love really, really intensely. Because what Jesus really was angry about was anything that separated people from the love of his Father. And when we get angry, we need to be careful not to sin. And it happens when we, when we don't allow ourselves to get angry and offended because of what people have done to us or what they have said to us or about us. But we need to use that anger to help us respond to those in need. And sometimes that might occasionally mean we flip a table, but that's not what it's supposed to consistently be. It's not about flipping people. It's not about being right. The goal is about loving. And honestly, I'm so thankful that so many people, that, that we're a part of a big global church that's very diverse, meaning lots and lots of people get to be angry about different types of injustices, that get to work about on different problems. Because I don't know about you, I, I can't solve them all. Like, I can work on a few. So I'm honestly really thankful that there's people that are very angry and passionate about fighting against pornography. And I'm very excited that there's people that are angry and want to help fight for, the, for marriage. And I'm really thankful that there's people that are wise enough that want to fight against racism and at the same time stand for good men and women that serve and protect. And I said, and. There are people that are wise and do both. And you may fight for something that's different than what I fight for. And I may fight for something that's different for you. Honestly, my, with my power, with whatever my position is, I might fight to help children that are in the foster care system. And you might fight for those that are suffering from mental illness. And somebody else might fight for the people that are involved in, and sucked into human trafficking. And other people might fight for those that need to have access to clean drinking water. And somebody might fight for the polar bears. I, I've never woken up thinking about polar bears, but, but maybe... Maybe it's a passion of yours. Maybe God has made you aware of the problem of the polar bears. Don't get angry at those of us that haven't been exposed to the polar bears. Just recognize that God calls each of us to different things. He exposes each of us to different callings. And so in your anger, don't sin. And when you get angry about something, allow it to drive you to be loving. 
because we live in a very divided world, and what a divided world needs is a united church that's going to continually bring the love of Jesus. So let's get really angry and then respond in a way that we'll be known for our love. And every week we try to give you some practical next steps, some ways for you to think about what you've heard this morning, some ways for you to respond based on on the way that Jesus is speaking to your heart. So as you think about this idea of, of anger and how Jesus responded and what it looked like in his life, what is it for you? What's your next step gonna be? Maybe your next step is consider if you get angrier when you or those in your family are mistreated or when others are mistreated. Maybe your next step is to continually recall God's forgiveness for you when you start to get angry with those that have offended you. Maybe your next step is to determine what injustices make you feel angry. And then look to take action and turn the tables rather than just being mad. Maybe you need to ask God to help you lovingly respond to the anger you feel for mistreatment that you notice. Again, I would hope that you would have heard my words this morning. I am not pushing for anything specific this morning. I'm really just pushing for each of us to check our hearts. To recognize that there are times where we will get angry. And if we allow ourselves to get angry about the right things about the things that are being done wrong to others and the mistreatment of others, then we can lean into and trust the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to act in ways that are loving. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for this opportunity to check our hearts, to look at the way that you responded, to look at the fact that you got angry and then you loved and you healed. God, allow that to be our motivation. Help us not to strive to be right, but strive to love. Strive to respond in a way that honors and brings glory to you. We thank you and we love you that you've given us emotions and you've given us the strength and the power with you in our life to respond in a way that is still righteous and is still holy and still maintains our relationship with you and doesn't create separation between us and others. Help us to respond in the same way. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.